These are the stories of The 116, a podcast from the heart of the First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, Illinois. This is where belief becomes action and action brings hope. Here's your host, Greg Fish. And we welcome you along to episode number 10 of Stories from the 116. It is a great thing to have you with us today. I hope that this finds you well, that you are not listening to this while you are in bed convalescing from uh, this big pandemic that we have going on around us. Um, this is a, an unusual or a different kind of episode for me because it's one where I'm going to kind of step away from uh, my role as the one doing the interview and kind of become the interviewee because I, I've had something I wasn't expecting to happen quite yet in my life. And that is my, my second book has been ready, but the, the, the expectation was we were going to release it in the fall. But then this big pandemic comes and we realize how important the book is to speak into the time that we're in. And so uh, Pastor Tim Osmond from here at, at First United Methodist uh, began to encourage me and then wanted to include that in a, a sermon series. And so we thought it might be good just to talk a little bit about the book to tell you some of the story of uh, my new book, Be Patient, Take Courage, Don't Grumble, of which I have mastered none, but I... <laughs> So first of all, uh, Pastor Tim, thank you so much for the encouragement you, that you have given me on both the content of this book and on getting it out there at this time. Um, I will tell folks how they can get the book a little bit later, and I want to encourage you that we are not doing this, because I've seen so many people try to sell things during this time to take advantage of the time we're in. Um, if you can't afford this, I have an option for you as well. I would just want to make sure you get this content uh, if it can be helpful, but we'll tell you about that at the end of the program. But Pastor Tim, thank you so much for your support. And uh, so I'm going to kind of turn things over to you. This is, this is feel, feels weird now because I'm used to being the one leading this thing. I'm going to, but you're the one used to leading the church. So you're in step into your natural role here. Uh, somewhat, but I'm not used to doing interviews, so this will be interesting. We may both fall flat on our faces before this is all over, but we're going to give God thanks for every moment of, of every step that we take together. But I want to say, Greg, really how thankful I am for you being here at the church. It, it just feels that God has brought the right people together at the right time to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, especially in these really unusual days that we're living in. And very thankful that you came with us with a set of skills that we really didn't um, hire you for. Writing books is not why we hired you, but, <laughs> yeah. but you come with that ability to do that. And I will say, even though we're not trying to, as you said, Greg, just sell people, you know, in this season, take advantage. I think the the be patient, take courage, and don't grumble really is a word of God for this time, um, because I'm hearing a lot of impatience about when is this thing going to end, and how right. do we get back out and I hear a lot of fear out there about what might happen should we not remain, you know, um, enclosed within our homes and what might happen if we don't get back out in both directions. And then I also hear a lot, an awful lot of grumbling going on. And if you're on social media, those of you who are a part of that know how grumbly things can be very <laughs> yes, quickly. Absolutely. On, uh, on, so this is really just a great word. I do want to say that in beginning in um, May 24th, com this coming up Sunday, of course, this broadcast may not go out until after that, but but that week we're going to begin a series that will sort of loosely follow your book. We're not taking it chapter by chapter. I think there are 11 chapters in there, but we're going to loosely follow that book, to, and we're going to follow the life of Joshua in the Old Testament to talk about being 
patient and taking courage and not grumbling. And what does that look like? Um, because the people of God have always been grumblers, by the way. You can't read That's right. the, the book of Exodus and not hear about multiple grumbling in spite of God's provision. Exactly. Uh, so, Greg, it's, let me just get into it, though, because uh, it's just a, a, a great book. I've now read it a few times through, and just, I think, a good word for us today. So let me ask this, though. This is not the next book you thought about writing. You've right. writ- written one other mm-hmm. book that you authored. Um, can you t- tell us just briefly a little bit about that book? I know this isn't about mm-hmm. that book, but you wrote a book about grief. Right. Yeah. And I, I never, it was a book I didn't expect to write. I never saw myself as an author, but uh, after my wife, Barbara passed away after a 25 year marriage from a long-term serious illness, uh, part of my uh, therapy was to begin to write. It was very uh, therapeutic to me to be able to, to pour it out. And I'd always promised her because we knew she wouldn't have as long of a life as you know you would want. And I always told her, I'm going to tell your story because it's a good story and people need to hear that. And so out of that, I began to talk about, I I realized along the way that there are a lot of books for people who suffer and struggle, but there weren't a lot of books for people who come along beside those people. And um, that often, I mean, the grief can happen on on both ends and and grief is, is very much a thread in that story of understanding it because we have a lot of myths about grief in our society. For one thing, uh, grief can happen not just for a death, but over a job, over a a change in life. But secondly, grief is a lifelong companion, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. It's not something you can snap out of. It's something that you've got to learn to live with. And I like to compare it to that, a box sitting in the middle of the room. Uh, For a while, you're going to be under that box. Mm -hmm. But eventually, you've got to learn how to crawl out and get over it. Now, occasionally, you're going to still bump into it. And occasionally, I mean, you're going to know it's still there. but, But you learn to live with it after a while and to understand what it really is. And, and so that, that book explored both the story. I, I begin with the story of, of, of my wife, Barbara, and, and a very emotional thing for me to, to deal with. And then uh, talked about some of the lessons that I've learned along the way. And then, so I, I had expected my second book because I've had so many people talk to me about this. I, I do a, a daily blessing on social media. And so many people have requested me to, to do a, a book about what it means to live the blessing lifestyle and, and to include some of those blessings. And so that's what I intended to do. But that book just, I struggled with it and fought with it. And then one day, uh, well, I, I've, been, I've been teaching, be patient, take courage, don't grumble. And had gotten a very good response. Uh, so one day while I was in charge of staff worship here uh, for our staff worship, I, I taught a, a brief version of that lesson. And what you guys fed back to me really inspired me and encouraged me. And I thought, there's something important here that I need to tell people. So I thought, I'm going to go home and make some notes. Well, those notes turned into a book. And the next thing you knew, I have, be patient, take courage, don't grumble. And uh, we've gone from there. Well, those words are, as you just said, that was from, you picked that up years ago, right. and then you, about a year, I don't know, 10 months ago or so, you brought that as a devotional here at the church. And so that being patient, taking courage, and not grumbling is not just a word for the pandemic season we're in. Right. That's really a good word for any time in our life. James, which is where you got that passage from mm-hmm. in the book of James, Um, you you pull that out because he talks in the first century to first century Christians about being patient, taking courage and not grumbling because the Lord is near. Uh And so great, great words. As I, as I suggested, it's just, you know, great words. So thank you, by the way, for, for shifting gears though, in order to write this book at this 
this time? Because I know you and I had some conversation mm-hmm. about how this might be a good word, again, for any time, but especially now during this this season of shelter in place and right. with with our um, only those who are deemed essential workers, you know, going out and then they're coming back to their family. And how do we just get along when we're when we're locked behind a door with each other. Kind of an interesting thing is uh, my wife and I talked about this is, is that when we were dating, we couldn't wait till we were together all the time. Right. And, and then now that we're together all the time, <laughs> we, we can't wait till the doors open up a little bit. <laughs> yes. But I think that's an experience of a lot of, a lot of people. I love, love my wife, by the way, very much. And we're getting along and it's, it's wonderful. But um, there is sometimes a, a need to be apart from each other. And there's a, an opportunity to learn how do you be patient with each other when you're forced to, you know, this is not by choice. This is a forced, you're going to be together. Great, great word, I think, for, for all of us. Well, and I think the important thing to understand here is that I, I wrote this book, but it doesn't mean I've mastered it. In fact, I think part of my writing the book is realizing I am still struggling with every one of those things. And uh, yeah, it's very much a part of my process to still figure out, I mean, uh, I'm sure I never grumble. <laughs> no, wait a minute. I take that back. I think I've grumbled several times this past week. So yeah, I mean, for me, this has been as much a part of my process as it has been a teaching opportunity. Well, when you gave that devotion, by the way, that that devotion that that was given, that worship service was a part of staff worship. Uh-huh. It wasn't in the main sanctuary for the whole church. It really was for staff. And we talked about how much us as staff needed to hear those words about being patient, taking courage, not grumbling, about how we support one another as staff. Uh, the, working in the church is a great place to work, but we, as you just said, Greg, we, we don't, we're not perfect. We're, we're human beings, yes. and we're going to remain human beings and, uh, even after the Lord comes, but, but, but we struggle with some of these things, and we need a healthy reminder which you do an interesting, because I've seen it, you know, you're not lying about this. You know, some people write book and you think, is that really true? Mm. Because I know in your, in your cubicle out there is the, are these words, and the words are written down, be patient, take courage, and don't grumble. How long have you been writing those words down? Well, I was at my church in Ohio, so that would have been sometime, uh, I think probably around 2010 somewhere was when I first really discovered that and and I, I don't even remember this point why it is those I can't remember why those words words stood out to me I just know I was studying James and um, at some point I think those three words like a neon sign just kind of I thought I'm going to write that down that's important for for me to remember and it's just stayed with me ever since it's become a, an important credo in my life because it, I need to remember that I just I need that written reminder there before me be patient take courage. These things are not in my nature. Patience is not a part of my my nature. Courage is certainly not a part of my nature. And grumbling has been my companion more than I want. And to have that daily reminder has been really important. Absolutely. So 10 years and and you've still not got it right yet. (laughs) You would think. (laughs) Yeah, if you're such a good teacher, why haven't you learned this? But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think I think that's what has taught me the essential nature of this because I realize it's just a, it's so much a part of our life and and for every episode and, and my life has been dotted with so many I've had some strange adventures in life I came to this point uh, around the time when I I turned fifty not that I'm really anxious to brag about my my age here you know I, I tell people I thought by the time I hit fifty the maturity would set in and unfortunately that hasn't occurred yet 
But I, I hit 50 and it occurred to me that I had lost both my parents. I had no grandparents left. My, my wife had just passed away and I was hundreds of miles away from my family. And um, I, I realized at that point that I, I'm going to have to, I think that's especially, that, that was a cementing point for me of, of remembering, I'm going to have to really get better at some of these things in my life for me to be able to move forward because otherwise I'm going to either become paralyzed or I'm going to completely shut down. I'm going to fall to depression, which, you know, I, I have to, I struggle with that. Uh, I know pastors aren't supposed to say uh, that we struggle with depression, but I actually, I think it's good for us to do that. Yeah, it's good to yes. do that. We struggle. It, it's not a shameful thing. Um, but in dealing with the uh, realities of who we are as humans, it's been important for me to just continue to cement these ideas in my mind. And uh, I, I found that other people seem to resonate with that as well, because we've all gone through loss and, and struggle. And so here we are in a time of, of national or I guess global struggle mm, yes. to figure out how to go forward. And uh, I'm just thinking, you know, this, this has helped me. Maybe there are others that it can, uh, it can speak into as well. Good. Well, one of the things I know you and I have talked about before as well is the reality that Christianity is is not a destination. Mm. It's a journey. Yes. And so when, when you're talking about 10 years ago, you were starting to write this down, why aren't you perfected yet? Yeah. Uh, John Wesley talked about going on to perfection. He never really talks about the, the absolute perfection until we're in heaven and in the presence of God, and God does that for us. But But it's always about this journey um, towards perfection that we're on. And you're never going to reach, I don't think, in this life. Right. And so I think it's a, an important word and something that we need to in, invest in and remind ourselves often of, as you have done, about how do I live this Christian life because it's a journey, not a destination. And as long as we're here, we're on this journey. Well, tell us uh, about Carly. Who is she and how she shaped your thinking about this particular topic? Who is Carly? Carly is my sister's youngest. And um, so she was the baby of the family. And I've always been close to my sister's kids. I, I've got some great, great stories from them. Uh, they've just, it, it's, it's neat. They provided been such good characters in my life. They provided some great material for me. Uh, I don't know if your kids have ever discovered that they're more the topic of illustrations than they've wanted to be in, in, in your teaching. Or oh, never, to. never. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Carly is her youngest and, and Carly Boy, as a as a little child, she was just the sweetest thing. She would cuddle in our laps, and and uh, she'd give us back rubs, and she just always was very tuned into people. And so, she had memorized her first Bible verse. And uh, uh, when when my wife, my first wife Barbara, was in the hospital for that that eight month period of time, the kids came to visit, and they went to one of those. Uh, I, maybe I shouldn't say the name of the store. It's one of those places you can go and create a stuffed animal for mm -hmm. somebody else, and uh, they have a lot of accessories you can add. And they have these little buttons you can push that play the recorded messages, and you can actually record a message. So Carly recorded her. Uh, the, the very first Bible verse that she had memorized. And I think it's especially memorable because of the way a kid would say it. And I can still hear it in my mind, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be ascouraged, which was always my favorite part. Do not be ascouraged for the uh, Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And uh, she recorded that on the bear. And uh, uh, then, so Barbara slipped into a, a coma. She actually died a couple of times along the way wow. and people would come to visit in the room and I would always for lack of you know people come to visit what do you talk about a situation like that so well sure. <laughs> yeah. so I, I would play the the, the talking bear to them that uh, uh, the kids had created that Carly had recorded that message and I don't know if it was always 
Barbara hearing that because she, when people are in comas, they, they can still hear, they can still know, even though it's confusing to them. And, but when she came back, she said that the thing that she heard over and over again while she was in the darkness was that verse. It was as, as if Carly were talking to her, Aunt Barbara, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified. And she said, that gave me the courage to wander through the darkness and find my way out. Mm. And what an impact that was. So even as a little child, and to me, that's a great part of the story. It's to remind us that even children can be leaders. Even children can be used of God to speak powerfully in spiritual ways, whether they realize it or not. And God used my niece Carly to speak powerfully into one of the great crises of, I don't know how to say that word, of, of, of life, and, uh, and to see us through that. Wow. What a, yeah, what a powerful story. And um, I apologize because I'm a pastor, and my 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 brain <laughs> wants to chase little rabbits, you know, uh -huh. all kinds of directions with illustrations. But uh -huh. you know, part of the reality is um, all of us have have these bears in our own life that are recorded on there, all kinds of things. Sometimes wonderful things like what Carly was able to record about being strong and courageous and. Right. and having faith in God. Sometimes though on our recorders are things like you're worthless mm. and you're, mm. you're not good and you're yes. stupid. And, and I know those get played back over and over again, which is why I appreciate in your book that you talk about writing these three things down, putting them where you can see them often and reminding yourselves to begin to live into the child God has called you to be, not just the person you were prior but who's God calling you to be now? And, and what a, I just think it's just a great illustration of a little girl who had an opportunity to speak into the life of her aunt, whom she loved very much, and not really fully realizing that her words were going to be such an encouragement to her. Yeah. So in the book, one of the things that you talk about, and I think it's chapter, maybe chapter three or chapter four, but in there you, you talk about the opportunity that we have to speak in the lives of others. Mm -hmm. So can you say anything about how we might speak into the lives of others? Carly did that for your wife, obviously. Um, but how can you talk a little bit about that? Or Well, and you know, I, I think that's the challenge because we all want to do that. We want to have that positive um, uh, interaction with others. We want to be able to feed good things, but we're never quite sure how to do that. Why is it we are more tuned in to the critical and the negative than than doing the positive thing. And, and I don't know, I, I, I think this, by the way, goes into one of the reasons why I, I did an unusual thing. I, I took an unusual voice in this book and I tried to make it more interactive because as I was writing the book, I, I had taught this book and I realized that one of the ways that uh, this lesson was had become uh, memorable to people was by having them repeat the lines over and over again. And I thought, I wonder if I can do that in writing. I wonder if I can somehow interact with people to get them to repeat the lines. So I guess what I'm thinking here is that as, as you are moving into other people's lives, don't take for granted that if God gives you something interesting or different, a different direction to go, don't take for granted that's not a good way to go. He may be putting something unique and unusual in you to help you communicate hope in, in, into other people. And especially when you're dealing with a message like this. Now, I would start here with a message like take courage or be patient, take courage, don't grumble. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be, you have to start with humility on that lesson. Because people are going to look at you and realize, you know, they're still working on that too. So the humility is a is a good place to start when you're when you're giving that message to other people. But then give it to them with courage and, and boldness. Mm. Well, no, that's yeah, 
Yeah, that's a you know that's an important word, especially with that we find in several places in Scripture. Uh, one place talks about you know pride cometh before a fall. So, sure, sure. so if you act like you've got this all pulled together, I you know you better watch yourself because. Uh, once you you know get in your own head and thinking how wonderful you are, you're yeah. probably not looking at the the pothole right in front of you that you're about to trip over. Mm-hmm. So be be cautious of that. Uh, so yeah, that's a you start with humility in all of this. And I, you know, we we invite people to come to an old fashioned altar of prayer time of confession, which is really an opportunity to come and humbly come before the Lord and say, you know what, I don't have everything pulled together. I need to pull have pulled together. And God, I'm asking for your help because I can't do this on my own. Right, which I think is important. I think it was important that that you had those people who gathered around you when your your wife was suffering. It was important for Carly to be a part of that. You know, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. little girl who's able to speak such truth into the heart of that. You also though talk about your father in here, and I just really am thankful for some of the stories you were willing to share. I think from the heart, but you talk about your dad about about fishing, about drinking, really not good coffee. And, <laughs> yes. And you and uh and you talk about jogging. So tell us about your dad, your relationship with your father. Well, and you know, I, I guess it's natural that at times that a, a father and a son's relationship can um, run a rocky road, uh, especially through the growing up years and um sometimes I was guilty through my growing up years of thinking of my dad as being a hard man. And I I didn't realize until I became a father how many pressures we as fathers are under and trying to get things all the right, right all the time is really impossible. So you do the best that you can. And I realize now with that great measure of grace that comes with having experienced it myself, that that's the, uh, that's the case for dad. And, and, you know, thinking through these stories about my dad, that's kind of what I'm looking at for my next book is, is, uh, enlarging on those stories in the book and, and thinking about how they shaped my life. But uh, uh, the the running thing was such a unique thing for us because I never saw myself doing that with dad. Dad, dad always cared about his, his physical health. I, on the other hand, didn't. Mm-hmm. I wanted to sit in my room and play my guitar. That's what I enjoyed doing. And um, for this unique time after I, I got out of college and I was able to live home for, for several years, this was also the time when my mother passed away from cancer. But uh, something happened with, with my dad and I, and, and that is I started caring about myself. I started realizing that I, I don't want to enter my life in as bad a physical shape as I'm in. So dad and I, 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 I can't remember how that conversation began, but I began running with him. And when we first started, mm-hmm. of course, it was horrible. I mean, here's my dad. <laughs> And almost a 50-year-old man, and here I am, a 20-year-old just out of college. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <gasps> just trying to keep up <laughs> with, with Dad. And, and uh, uh, But eventually, over time, he, you know, he was patient with me, and uh, it began to smooth out. And during that, that period of time, we began to talk, and he told me stories, gave me advice, sometimes wanted, maybe not so much on other times, but... Uh, but we got to know each other and, and mm-hmm. to love each other, and our relationship changed. And we went from, um, uh, well, not from, but I guess we added to our relationship a friendship mm-hmm. that endured until my father passed away. Um, but I, I think that 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 was really significant for me to learn what it means to move forward and take a challenge that was un, uncomfortable to take because becoming a runner was hard, mm-hmm. and then staying at it was hard. But what came out of that hard work of moving forward was a relationship that changed my life for the better and that uh, I I hope made me a better man. Uh, But it also taught me the lesson that whenever I faced something difficult that was worth doing, 
it's worth running into because in the end there are there are going to be benefits to this it's it's good to be patient take courage don't grumble because you're going to get to something that's going to serve you much better mm, great yeah and i and i appreciate that as you said that our relationship with our parents or parents with children changes over time as it should it should not remain the same um, kind of a relationship that you have when you're when you're an infant right. you know Obviously, I don't crawl into my mother's lap when I go see her. There's sometimes a piece of me wishes I could. Sure. Life is that yeah. hard. <laughs> and I wish I could go back yeah. uh, and, yeah. and not have to worry about, about just life in general, bills and whatever. But that's not, you can't do that. And so our relationship over the years has, has changed as well as before my father's passing. Our relationship had changed as well. Mm -hmm. And really treasure those moments that I got to spend with, with my father, um, learning him as a man, not just as my dad, but learning about him as a man and, and realizing how much he had invested in me. I, and I would like to encourage um, those of you who are parents out there in this season, especially when you're sheltering in place, to, to really uh, have a lot of patience with one another right now. As I often say to couples who are in premarital counseling, I remind them that, that grace or forgiveness is the oil that will keep your marriage from grinding to a halt. Sure. And that's sure. true of any relationship with uh, either your parents or with your children uh, or with your neighbors is you need to season it with a lot of patience and with patience, it comes that grace and that, um, that forgiveness for not being perfect people. Cause none of us are perfect. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about that this morning. I, I uh, have been doing these video blessings on, on uh, social media to supplement the written ones I do. I just felt like it was a good way of, of getting up close and personal with people a little bit more during this time. And, and thinking today about this, well, I, I, within the last couple of weeks, I was in a situation where I was in a grocery store and somebody just let the poor kid there have it over having to wear a mask mm -hmm. and just grumbled and griped to them. And I felt so bad because I realized, first of all, here's a kid who's making minimum wage. <laughs> they, they didn't make this rule. They are, it's part of their job to enforce it. Uh, I'm sure they've heard other people throughout the day and, and the kid actually responded with such grace and, and mercy to this person. But it reminded me how when we enter into to situations of conflict with other people, we don't realize what, what they are going through at times. We don't think about their place in the conflict. We just kind of, kind of unload on them. Mm -hmm. And um, so as we're facing these, these close up situations with, with our family, it's good to have these eyes of grace to understand that they are, are, are struggling with this as well. They are dealing with their own levels of anxiety and hurt both our parents or our children or other people around us when we're out in, in, in the marketplace uh, or, or wherever we're going to realize that people around us are, are struggling with their own issues and mercy and grace is really the only way to, mm. um, to, to deal into these situations. Yeah. And I, and as you said, being, being patient offers you um, that, that moment between allowing your brain to be in, in fourth gear and say things you probably ought not to say and allowing it to shift into neutral a little bit, or at least downshift to slow you down a little bit in order to be able to think, do I really need to tie into this poor individual only making minimum wage because they're not making enough to hear what I <laughs> Exactly. Unload exactly. on them. They're not. They're. They're. Yeah. They're just not making enough for that. Well, there's a principle I mentioned in the book, and I think it's so important with all of our interactions. It's the deep breath, holy pause principle, mm -hmm. and it's just take before you interact at times. Take a deep breath and a holy pause. That is, invite God into the moment. Now He's there, but we sometimes need to do that so we remind ourselves that. So we invite God into the moment. Okay, God, 
be with me now in this moment. And that has just really helped me so often to uh, hone what it means to, to be patient, take courage, and don't grumble in a moment is, is allowing myself the privilege of a deep breath and a holy mm -hmm. pause. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things you say in, in the book is you said being patient is not about inactivity. It's not about waiting around. And so that's mm -hmm. a quote out of your book in chapter three. And that seems to me, when I read that, that seems to be to, to be almost, if not an oxymoron, which is two things that you hold together that don't make real good sense. So being patient is not inactivity because there's a piece of me that wants to think that being patient means I just simply stop and I just wait around for something to happen of which I don't generate. But yeah. that's not what you believe patience is about. So what do you believe patience is really about? And that's been a long learning process as well. And I've really had to do some studying and thinking on, on this idea of patience. But patience is, is we, we think it's about inactivity. But if we're inactive and we're in neutral, there's really no need to be patient because we're not going anywhere. Patience is about how we interact with the journey. And if we're on a journey, if we know we are going somewhere, then what we do on the way there defines us. And patience is a part of that patience. You, you don't need patience if you're going nowhere. You don't need mm -hmm. patience if you're doing nothing because there's no reason for it. But you do need patience if you know something good is ahead of you, but you're also on that journey and you really want to be there. Uh, so mm -hmm. patience is the way that we deal with the interruption between wanting to be at that good place and actually arriving. Mm. Oh, that's good. Well, I know earlier we were talking about um, doors that God opens and closes. And it seems to me that there is a, a theology out there, and I'm not sure it's a good theology, by the way, but it's uh -huh. a theology that says if I run into any, any kind of a roadblock, then I just stop, right. that I don't move forward. And it sounds like what you're saying is, is no— Sometimes those roadblocks that are ahead of us, God is using to form in us something new and, and to create in something in us something different, and that we're not just waiting around for God, frankly, to be a bellhop or a doorman, and God's job is just simply to open doors and let us through and then close the door behind us once we've gotten through. Yeah. Um, but rather, God sometimes is the one who just simply points and says, there's a door and an obstacle I've already blessed you to overcome. Now I need you to, to have the faith that you can do it with all, all that I've already given you to accomplish this task. So that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. How many times have, have, have you been going somewhere, maybe somewhere important, somewhere you're excited to go there, and you've hit every light red on the road? Mm. You know, you've, you, we've all gone through that. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like every light is red, and they seem to stay red for an unusually long period of time. How many of us, after about the fourth or fifth long red light, have said, well, that's just it, and we turn <laughs> the car off, get out of the car, and walk away? I mean, that's ridiculous. We wouldn't do that. No. But how many times do we do that in life? When mm. when we are stopped and we're, something gets in the way, we, we, we face that obstacle, and we say, I've had it. I'm done with this. Now, the reality is that's the easier approach, and and – I know I've done that as well, but uh, uh, that, that, that persistence, that patience, and that courage to speak into those obstacles is what's going to get us to the thing that's worth going to. Well, like I said, Greg, really, really a good word. Now, at the, at the beginning of this book, in the introduction, you, there's another phrase, and I just wanted to, to, to hear your heart on this. You say this book is about continuing to move forward because of hope. Mm -hmm. And I just that those words just struck me. 
But I'm curious, why did you why did you write those words? This book is about continuing to move forward because of hope. Well, and I think really that's part of my struggle. And, and you remember I talked about that period of my life where I came to and I felt like I was just all alone in the world. I had lost all those important people and lived at a distance from my family. And I had to figure out what's worth living for. I mean, and I was a pastor at this point, and I think that helped me to find that is, well, there's hope. There, there's still hope even in the midst of the struggle. And and you know this, and anybody who, I mean, you can relate to this on your job. Pastors have a, a unique way of, of running into frustrating events that sometimes make us want to get up or give, give up. It can be in the form mm-hmm. of people. In fact, most often I think for a pastor that it's a it's often a people thing. But whatever your obstacles are in your <laughs> that, that knowing look, right? Yes. <laughs> whatever the obstacles are on, on your job, uh, you're going to have to decide what's the thing that's that makes it worth going forward. And for me, it was realizing this hope. So, okay, mm-hmm. is this a hope just for me, or or is it a hope for everyone? Is this something that's ju- because if it's just for me, again, I can give up and go away. Mm-hmm. But if it's a hope for everyone, if there's something even bigger, then that's what's going to uh, to move us forward. And that's what I see in hope. That is realizing mm-hmm. that there is a hope for all of us, and sometimes we need to just be reminded of that. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I really loved how you fr- you know phrase that talking about moving forward. The, the, that's words I often use. You know, how how are we moving forward? Not moving on. We talked about that last week in our in the sermon talking about grief. That we don't move on from grief as if we've moved on from the person who's died or on from whatever it is in our life that we've lost. But but we move forward. We take that that first step in a different direction than maybe we've been in. But we do that because we do have hope that there's something better than what we experience right now. The hope that God's mm-hmm. leading us in a different place than where we happen to reside right now. I just want to speak for just a moment to those of you who are listening and you feel like right now we've been two and a half, three months into this pandemic and you feel like there is no hope. I want you to know there is hope. And that's what I hear Greg saying in this book. There is hope. Be patient. It's not going to necessarily happen tomorrow. We're talking about when is the church going to open its doors again? Right. I have no idea. Um, so we're we're required to be patient, but we're taking courage that in the midst of this, God is in control. That God's got this figured out. Before all of this, these things happened, before Greg ever wrote this book, God was already well aware of where we were going to be right now in this moment, and God is well aware where God wants to lead us in the next moment, and that's the hope that I have that I serve a good God who does care for me in spite of the circumstances surrounding me in the moment, and that this God is going to lead me in a new and better direction. I don't know what it might all look like. I just have that hope in a God who loves me and cares for me. So again, that and that's yes, just one, yes. one sentence you had in here that I, I loved. Oh, so I, go ahead. I, I, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and we need to be reminded of that over and over again. It's like I, I often think of God, because God's above time. I like to make the joke, God mm. can, can see Moses and us and James T. Kirk all at the same time, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope that cultural reference didn't go over everybody's head, but um, Star Trek. Anyway, um, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so hope is just a part of who God is because yeah, he sees, he knows how all of this is, is framed. But, but for us, hope is being able to realize that in a time when we have no idea and honestly, uh, here's the tough part, pastor. And that mm-hmm. is the, it may, this may end up really bad. 
mm. for, for some of us. And some of us may be completely devastated. So what do we do when we get to that point of devastation? Mm. Um, I was listening to a, a podcast uh, just this past weekend uh, with Carrie Newoff and, and, and Annie Downs, and they were talking about what do you get to that point when you have to make that pivot? And, and that is the question arises, are you going to uh, be ruined? Or are you going to say, this is an opportunity? This is moving me to my next opportunity. And that's what hope does for us. It helps us to get past that point of saying, am I going to stay here in the ruin? Mm. Am I going to stay here where it's in the devastation? Or am I, am I going to allow myself the privilege of seeing this as an invitation to the next opportunity? It's yeah. kind of, you know, it's kind of, hope is kind of an entrepreneurial sort of thing, really, if you think about it, uh, because hope helps us to, to go beyond the situation that where we failed. That's what an entrepreneur does. They go through businesses that fail until they find the one that is successful. Mm. And, and hope is, is understanding that, that by going through the failures and the devastation, we get to that point of, of hope or, of, mm. uh, or to, to the destination, I should say. Mm-hmm. I think destination is an important part of this book, even though I never use it that word. It's about mm-hmm. our destination. Mm. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I do appreciate your, your, your off the cuff references to things like Star <laughs> Trek, because it's interesting that in the, in Star Trek, they often, you know, flip open their, um, their communicator and they say, beam me up Scotty. Yeah. But the really interesting things happen when they don't get beamed up. Mm-hmm. That's when life really happens when they, when they have to, stay in whatever situation they are in right now and figure out how to move forward and, and how to one survive. Um, but, and if you're in a red, I hear uh, in a red sweater, you're not going to make it anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) it was red or blue. I can't remember which one, but, but everybody else is going to, going to make it back. But that was the hope that we are going to get back. Now we've Uh got to figure this out. How do we get to a better place, either in a relationship with these aliens who are having trouble communicating with us um, or, you know, how do we just survive the, the severity of this planet when we can't get beamed up? Yes. And so the, I know there are people right now who's, who's saying, you know, beam me up, Scotty. I'm, you know, I'm on a planet with, uh, with uh, unintelligent people. Get me out of here. But reality is, is the really interesting things in life happen when we don't just get beamed out of, but God gives us the faith and grace we need in the moment to be, patient to take courage and to not grumble. Right. So what a powerful word uh, that you've written, written thank, for thank us. You. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's been a, a great journey for me and thank you so very much for being willing to uh, spend this time talking with me as well. And I've, I, I always enjoy our conversations anyway, but uh, let me tell the folks, if you want to get a hold of this book, uh, because we, we moved the release up, it, it's, it's going to take a little bit longer to get the print uh, version out there. So right now we have an advanced PDF available. Uh, now, I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but as we record this here in, in mid-May, uh, I think we're in mid-May, aren't we? I've, I've lost tra- <laughs> I've lost track of the days as well. Uh, I, I know we're about a month away from uh, the print version being available, but you go to my website at gregfish.me, that's G-R-E-G-F-I-S-H dot me, M-E, or even to our, our church website at fumcpeoria.org. There's a link there as well. But if you go to my website, you can order the advanced copy of the uh, the book, the PDF version, for $5. And that $5, by the way, will serve as a credit if you want to buy the print version in the future, whether you want the the, uh, the soft cover or the hardcover version, you can use that uh, either online or uh in person with me whenever uh, we happen to see each other. So you can do it that way. Or if you cannot afford the book, 
go to my website, again, gregfish.me, and send me a note say, hey, I would love to hear this message, but I just, I can't afford it right now. You don't have to explain things to me. No, don't tell me why. Just send that note. I will send you the PDF free of charge because I, I think uh, this will be a good, helpful message uh, for people to have. And uh, otherwise, if you're listening to this, this podcast when it's actually released, I found out, and you may not even know this yet, I'm actually going to be speaking at the bilingual service this Sunday. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Pastor Adrian asked me to do the introduction for the book, so it's going to be interesting for me to do this with an interpreter. I can do a little. I, I can do like a "Hola, cómo está," and then after that point, I'm going to have to turn it over to Lily. I guess it would be uh, to do the um, <clears throat> rest of the translation for me. But uh, anyway, uh, you're welcome to listen into that as well. And uh, uh, I hope to also make more content available online as we go along that would aid in small group studies and that sort of thing, like some video content. So keep an eye out for that as well. So that's where it's available. Well, that's great. That's great. I know Jenny and I are, are planning on doing one of those Zoom small groups with your book. And I'm hopeful the author will be gracious enough to drop in at least once uh, during that, that process as we kind of lead a small group online. Uh, which is what we have to do right now. Yes. And and so uh, if you want to sign up for those as well, there's going to be a link on our, our web page at fumcpuria.org. Go down, scroll down, uh, find the little TV that says Zoom Groups. Click on that, and there'll be a place there where you'll be able to sign up for that. We'll send you a, a email invitation, which is what you need in order to get into a Zoom group um, uh, meeting and uh, then we'll meet on online that way together. So if you're interested in yeah. that, please make sure that you do that as well. Uh, that The sermon series, as I said, will loosely follow the book, but the small groups will all be using the book, so you will need a copy of it uh, in order for that to happen. Well, Greg, I want to thank you for, for being willing to allow me to, to interview you today and uh, for being a part of this process that you've started with your book and, and allowing us to utilize this here at First Church as an opportunity to really speak into the hearts and lives of people who I think are being challenged right now, some of whom are really being challenged to find hope right now. And I mm -hmm. think this is a great word on how you find hope, but also how you continue to move forward in your faith with God wherever you are. Well, and, and to quote another cultural icon, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> And I just love it when God's plan comes together, don't you? And, and just you, you began talking about how God brought us together at the right time. Mm -hmm. And just the, the encouragement that you have given me and the folks uh, here have given me. I've, I've only been a part of this, this work for a short time, but just feel like a part of the family already. And uh, also the courage to get this book out there at a time when I, I didn't think I was ready, but God said, nope you're ready. Let's do this thing and, and, and to shoot it out there. So it's been a, it's been a fantastic journey for me as well. And I appreciate that. Good. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us for the 10th, uh, 10th uh, uh, episode of stories from the 116. And we invite you along for the last next time, be sure and like us and share us on social media. And if you can leave us a good uh, review on your podcast provider. You've been listening to the stories of the 116 from our studio at First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, Illinois. You can find the show notes or contact us with your questions and comments through our website at www.fumcpeoria.org.